This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, um, we have a special guest for you. So um, two times a year, we set aside a couple weeks to focus on um, missions and what Jesus has called all of us to be, to be a part of. And so we have a guest speaker today, but I, I'm not going to introduce her to you because I think you have a kind of a vested interest. A little special connection. A little bit in the, yeah. in the speaker, right? Absolutely. So maybe. Yes, so why don't yeah. you do the honors? Yeah. So uh, with this, this missions week that we're, our missions Sunday that we have starting off, um, it is so cool. Um, I can tell you there's very few people that I know that have a, a heart more for missions and for people, and I get to experience. I'm a better person because of her. Um, you know, the, they talk about this idea of marrying up, and I got the much better end of the deal on this whole thing. Um, so, you know, in Scripture they say, uh, John said these words that, that uh, I must become less, that, that she must become, he must become greater. And uh, I will say in this moment, um, my wife has a word for you this morning, you so go. I'm looking yep. forward to be able to hear once again and for you to be able to hear. So I want to welcome Michelle White. All right. Come on. Right. Whoa, there you go, right there. Whoa. Good morning. Come on. Preach the word, sister. Thank you. There you go, right there. Well, good morning. Thank you for that warm welcome. Um. Well, good morning. I'm going to first, I'd like to greet you. So your line is going to be Malaykum Salam. So let's go ahead and practice it. Malaykum Salam. One more time. Malaykum Salam. All right. I'm going to say my line and then you're going to say Malaykum Salam. All right. Assalamu alaikum. Malaykum Salam. So we just greeted each other in Wolof and which is where my Clothing comes from today. It's from Senegal, from the Wolof people. And your greeting, I greeted you, and this is a common greeting. Anywhere you go, if you say this, that you would just have said to them, the Lord's peace be upon you. And your response was, and the Lord's peace on you as well. So I just, I wanted us to start off the day with that greeting. Interestingly enough, most Wolof people are Muslim, but I believe that even in their greeting, the Lord is calling them to himself. So you might wonder, how in the world am I up here sharing today um, about missions? And so I just wanted to share with you that I grew up hearing missionary stories, and when I heard them, I loved them. So we used to have, we had, well, we still do, but at missions, guests would come, and they'd travel, and I loved it when they would share their stories. My great aunt was a missionary, so I loved hearing her stories as well, of hearing of all the different travels, of the things that God was doing, how he was not just using them, but how he was transforming whole villages and whole peoples to come to know him. And it was just exciting, and I wanted to be a part of it. So when I was 14, I went on my first short-term missions trip. And since then, I went summer after summer, sometimes multiple times each summer, being able to go and then eventually starting to take other people with me on these trips. And I absolutely love traveling and getting to see what God's doing around the world. I've been to over 20 countries, I've been to six out of the seven continents, and there's so much more I would love to explore if God gives me the opportunity. Interestingly enough, though, even with all that traveling and exposure and growing up in um, not just a Christian home, but growing up in a missions-minded home and going to Bible college, I still feel that my life was completely transformed when I took the course Perspectives. 
Some of you may have heard about this course, and we've offered it here before at the church, and we hope to again in the future, but it's the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. And for me, I feel like it helped um, shift and give, give teeth, really, to what it is we need to do. There's a task to do, and there's an unfinished task, and we've all been invited to be a part of it. And so how do we focus on getting there so that people everywhere hear the good news about the Lord? And so to me, that was a life-changing experience. Shortly after that, I was invited to be a part of the Assemblies of God World Missions Board back in Springfield. So I committed to that for three years, flying back there to these meetings and coming back here and working on different projects for that. So it was an honor to serve there. And now I'm currently serving here at Gateway with our global discipleship team um, in regards to missions. You might often see me with kids because that is my number one role that I I work here at at Gateway with, but I love missions and I love helping even offer mini perspectives classes or courses with our different schools to the elementary schools so that they have a worldview and, and to be praying for unreached people groups around the world. Our verse today that we're focusing on has to do with fishers of men. And as you came in, if you came in through the lobby, you hopefully saw on the wall a verse that perhaps you've walked by all these years and never even noticed was there. It has been there, and it's Matthew 4.19, and it says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this verse, I love, it's implying movement and action. It's not something that's just stationary. It's movement, so follow me. And I will make, I love this part because it's not about us. Oh, could I figure it out enough by myself? It's God's going to make us. Jesus is going to transform us. He can move us into who it is that he's inviting us to be and to partner with him with. So he can make us fishers of men which is a role. We all have been invited into this role. This was not just for the 12 disciples. This is for all of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus. This reminds me of another verse in Matthew. Matthew 28, 19, and it says, go and make disciples of all nations. And I'm just gonna do that beginning part of that verse because again, right there, we see the same thing. Movement, go. It's not stationary. We're on the move. And then it says, and make disciples of all nations. Again, it's a role. It's something we're supposed to be doing. And, and so the Lord has not just invited us to this. It's by the word go, it's actually a command to go do this. So the question is now, how will we do that? Some things that I think are really important is to first break down this verse a little bit in terms of disciple. Um, It's not just talking about the 12 disciples. It's talking about anyone who is a follower of Jesus and to help make followers of Jesus. So if we switch that verse now, it basically would be go and make followers of Jesus of all nations. Now we're going to do one more change because we're going to look into the word nations. Because the word nations in Greek, and the book of Matthew was written in Greek, the word nations is ethne or ta ethne. And it's where our words in English, ethnicity and ethnic, come from. So it helps us get a bigger clue. This is not talking about countries. This is talking about people groups. Go and make followers of Jesus of all people groups. And so as we're talking about people groups, you might think, well, what in the world is a people group? 
And there are about 17,000 people groups in the world today. Now, the good news is uh, many of us have heard about the Lord. We're in this room. We're here. We, we have the opportunity to hear. We have access. We've maybe grown up. We each represent some different people groups. Uh, but so out of that 17,000, we're going to talk the rest of today, a lot of it, about unreached people groups. And um, I want to read a, a definition from the Lausanne movement in 1982, kind of helping us know about the unreached people groups and, and why it's important for us to even realize that they exist. So it says, for evangelization purposes, a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread. As a church planting movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. This has to do with language. This has to do their, with their belief about God. This has to do with maybe their geography. Where are they located? Are they located in remote um, hills and, and mountainous areas? Or are they in the desert? Um, and so there's different things that make one people group different from another people group. Now we're going to take a moment to look at a map um, that shows us um, by country. So again, I'm just trying to help us solidify that this is not talking about countries. But if we looked at this particular map of seven countries in the world, um, and if we're thinking nations equaled countries, here they are, seven countries. We're going to look at this same map, but now it's mapped out by people group. And so it's go and make followers of Jesus of all people groups. I hope you can see clearly that the map looks different. The boundary lines are completely different from each other. And it's important that each one of them has the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus. There's another picture coming up, and it's going to show us the, the green zone is considered, is considered the reached area. I think it's perhaps back a couple slides, we'll see. But the green area is the reached area, and the red area is where the gospel has yet to go. And so it doesn't mean that there's not any believers there, but there's not enough believers there to help other, like an, others come to know Jesus. There's so it's super important. That particular area of the world um, is actually often called the 1040 window. And we'll go ahead and move to the next slide. And it actually has like a little box around it to see. 1040 has to do with 10 degrees latitude to 40 degrees latitude. You can see clearly that not all of the unreached people groups are actually in the 1040 window, but most of them are near there. Out of this, there's 7,000 unreached people groups in the world still today. And out of those 7,000, over 6,000 of them live inside that window. So it's definitely an area for us to be targeting and thinking about and praying for that they have, have access to the good news about Jesus. Now, there are still people groups outside of the 1040 window. Did you know that there are still unreached people groups in Mexico? Did you know that there's 57 unreached people groups in Brazil? There are unreached people groups around the world today. And so whether we go to that 1040 window or whether we go to some other area where there's a pocket of people that the gospel did not reach them, or maybe some of them, which many of them are, are coming here. Maybe they're moving here or they're coming here as students. We have the opportunity to be sharing with them about Jesus. I want us to watch this 
uh, well, actually, there's a picture of just India. So I just, again, it's, there's so many unreached people groups. So in India alone, each red dot there represents a different people group. There are over 2,000 unreached people groups in India alone. So I think, so it's not enough for us to say, oh, good, there's a few missionaries that we know that are there in India. There's not enough. There's not enough people who are followers of Jesus, whether they're missionaries or whether they're indigenous people there that have come to know Jesus. There's not enough to help tell the rest of India about the Lord. So it's, we're being asked by the Lord to go and partner with him that they might come to know him. We're going to watch a little video, and it is going to help us understand a little bit more about the lost versus the unreached. Because like me, you might have family members and friends that do not follow Jesus yet. And so, but my family members and friends, they're not unreached. They're considered lost because they have at least access to the gospel. And they have that access because of me and my family. Where there are yet still people, the unreached people groups, they do not have access or they have very limited access to the good news about Jesus. Let's watch this video. If you run in Christian circles, you've probably heard people talk about the lost and the unreached. These are two common terms that Christians use to describe people who aren't followers of Jesus. But where do these terms come from? And what's the difference between the two of them? The term lost comes from a few references in the Bible. According to scripture, all people are born lost. It is a universal symptom of the fall. God created people to be in a right relationship with him. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve and created a separation between man and God. Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came like a beacon, offering to rescue anyone who will admit that they are lost and that he is the way to be found. Those who have not yet received his offer are referred to as lost people. Now the word unreached refers to lost people who will most likely never have the chance to hear that there is a way to be found. People groups are considered unreached when less than 2% of their population is following Jesus. They often have no access to the gospel in their culture or language, which means that they will never encounter the gospel unless something about their environment changes. There are still large numbers of people who have never heard, people who live far away and are hard to reach, or people who are born into societies where the message of Jesus is not well known. Followers of Jesus are still working hard to tell everyone that they can be found. But out of all the missionaries who are going and telling, less than 10% of them ever make it to the unreached people of the world. So what is the difference between being lost and being unreached? Well, in a word, access. Everyone who hasn't trusted in Jesus is lost, but not every lost person is unreached. Many lost people can pick up a Bible, walk into a church, ask a friend, search the internet, or even simply wrestle with the things that they've heard about Jesus. But unreached people either haven't heard anything about Jesus or don't have the access to material or people who could help answer their questions. It is a big task to bring the message of the gospel to the hardest to reach places. But as the Apostle Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they do not believe? And how will they believe if they haven't heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.
There's another picture that's going to come up. I want us to see about the access. In terms of access, um, so we were talking about unreached people groups, that there's about 7,000. And so we're going to talk in a minute about gateways, unreached people groups, um, that we have have said we are going to be praying for them and sending and going um, to be a part of that. But before we do that, I wanna, I wanna clarify, even among unreached people groups, there's really two sections of unreached people groups. There's those that are engaged, but still unreached. And by engaged, it means people like us or churches like us have said, we are going to pray for this particular people group. We are gonna go, we are gonna send missionaries, we're gonna send short-term teams, we're gonna partner with the indigenous believers there in whatever ways they're saying is going to be helpful and we're saying we're committed to it until that people group's name is taken off the list. So there's the engaged, unreached people groups. But did you know, as this next slide comes up, there are almost, there are a little over 3,000 unengaged, unreached people groups that are still out there. That means no one's even going after them. And I'm not just talking about within the assemblies of God. I'm saying in Bible-believing churches and partnerships around the world, as we've looked at who's going after these 3,000, there isn't a single person that anyone knows of that is saying we're committed to helping that people group come to know the Lord. I believe that we're supposed to be a part of that answer. So as we move into sharing about how Gateway is partnering, I believe that even though we have the three, I don't know what's coming next for us, but I do think it's important that the Lord is inviting us to go after some of those 3,000 that have no one going after them. Did you know that that out of um, some of those unengaged, unreached people groups, that the chances of them having access to the gospel, like it mentioned in that video, that the chances of them coming to hear the good news about Jesus is one time that they might have access in a hundred years. The good news most likely will not even reach them while they are still alive. It is imperative that we take this call that the Lord has given us seriously because there are people who have never heard the good news about Jesus and they need to know. Now, Gateway has adopted three unreached people groups, and I love that we have done this. Some of them we've adopted as as long as maybe 15, 18, uh, maybe uh, years ago, and I love that we partnered. We said, we're going to pray, we're going to send missionaries, we're going to partner with the people that are there until their names come off the list. Now, in the lobby at each of the kiosks. I'm encouraging you to pick up one of these, one for each of the people groups. There are prayer points on here. I encourage you to stick it somewhere, whether it's in your Bible, maybe you're going to stick it on your fridge, but so you remember to pray for these unreached people groups that Gateway has committed to. And again, our goal is that they're going to come off the list and then we're going to pick up somebody else that's on the list until the good news about Jesus has reached every people group that exists. Out of the Wolof people, there are 6.5 million people. They are almost all Muslim. In fact, it's 0.01% are followers of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. 0.01% 
that are followers of Jesus. Out of 6.5 million people, that is 650 people. And they don't all live next to each other. It's a large country, but it's not like they're right there all in the same town or the same village. They're spread out. But God has reached them. They have come to know Jesus, and they are busy trying to share with other people. But there's not enough of them to continue to adequately share the good news about Jesus with the rest of the Wolof people. We've partnered with them, and I'm excited. 650 actually is not very many, but I got to tell you, just a few years ago, it was only 300. And a few years ago before that, when we were praying for them, there were only 100. So God is on the move. So I want to, let's celebrate. I heard someone clap. It's good news. (laughs) But I believe he truly wants to do more. He wants the Wolof people to hear the good news about him and that he is real and absolutely loves them. In northern India, we've been partnering there in the Garhwal area, and in that area, there's about 2.5 million Garhwal, and they also have um, less than 2% of their population that are followers of Jesus. But interestingly enough, we've seen as they continue, as people come to know the Lord, they are going out, and they're going to, some of them are super remote places. Like the, in the Garhwal region, there's almost 10,000 villages, and they are so remote, you can't get there by car car. You're going to have to get off and hike in, or you might, I've been, when we were there, we saw people with donkeys, like, going in. But, like, you're not just driving there to to take the good news to them, that that you're literally going to have to hike in, and then the next village is maybe a whole other day or two's hike behind that, and into the Himalayan mountains. And so, they need to hear the good news about Jesus. The really easy places to, to go tell people about Jesus, they've already gone. People have gone there. It is the tough and remote places that are left, but that does not mean that they don't need to hear about Jesus any less. They need to hear and we need to go into those remote places. The incredible thing about the Garwal believers is not only are they going out to those remote villages and sharing about Jesus uh, with their own people, they've actually had a partnership recently with another people group that's up further north than them that they were like, wow, as far as we know, there's only two believers now in your whole people group. We're going to help you start to tell your people group more about Jesus as we're continuing to tell our people groups about Jesus. And so we have been praying for them and we're partnering with them in various ways as well. Now, the Basque are another unreached people group, and we have a unique partnership with the Basque, and the opportunity, instead of us going there, it's that they're coming here. They're looking for, teenagers are looking for coming to, for a summer experience where they're going to be able to learn English, practice their English, live in the home of an American family. They know that the families here are believing in the Lord, and they're, try, they're trying to figure out what does that even look like or mean, because most of them believe that there is no God. or that religion was forced upon people. So when they come in here, I've heard students say, so did you guys have to, did you have to pay to come here? Did your government say you had to come to church today? Is that how this works? And it's like, no. So for them to see that we're voluntarily coming here, we're celebrating the Lord and the good things he has done, it is something that baffles them. I heard another student say this summer, she said, I had no idea that there's multiple generations in there together praising the Lord, and clearly they think that God's real. I'm going to have to reconsider that maybe there is a God. So that kind of reverse missions, per se, is a part of how we're partnering with the Basque that they might eventually have enough believers, Basque believers, that will go and lead other Basque people to the Lord. 
There's more information out in the kiosks. Again, there are these particular prayer cards I do encourage you to take. Um, and I, I want to move into what it, is, what is it we're supposed to do? I believe firmly that we're supposed to pray, and that is our first step. If all of us went and went somewhere, but we were not we were, we were not praying and we didn't have a good base praying before us, like, I think it would all fail. But oddly enough, I think even if we didn't go and we all stopped and we all committed to seriously pray, and I'm not, I, I'm saying I've got a lot of room to grow in this area, but if we actually prayed regularly and consistently, I believe we would see things change. I encourage each one of you to, maybe it's set an alarm on your phone saying you're going to pray for this specific people group every day at this particular time. I don't know what it is, but I know I can have really good intentions, but if I don't set up some sort of framework to help me remember to do something, then I'm probably not going to do it. So I'm asking you, what is it you're supposed to do today when before you leave, what is it God's inviting you into? And then be intentional about putting some framework around it so that you actually follow through with what it is that God's putting on your heart. Give. Give of your time, your talents, and your money. So maybe it's when missionaries come to visit, you open up your home and say, come and stay here at this home so that expenses aren't having to be paid for them to stay in a hotel. Maybe it's that you're giving them gift cards so that they're not having to use the money they're trying to earn and raise so they can go back to whatever people group they are, are with. But instead here, while they're here, their expenses are paid for. Maybe it is that you're going to offer your vehicle because sometimes they, they can't get from one place to the next as they're going church to church or family to family to visit and they need a vehicle in order to get there. So I don't know what it is that you're, God's calling you to give, but I'm, I'm encouraging you, pray about it. What is God inviting you to give? As you're giving to a particular people group or to a particular trip or to a particular missionary, I do want to encourage you here at Gateway, the way we have it set up, you need to say you want it to go to missions. There's the general fund, but nothing from the general fund goes to missions. We believe that God will put that on people's hearts, and so they have to actually write missions on their thing. You can say which people group you want it to be going towards, if there's a specific one you want it to go towards, or when you're going in on push pay or anything, you have to actually switch it from general fund, and you have to switch it to missions. So I'm inviting you. What is God calling you to do as you give your tithe to general fund, but maybe God's inviting you to give more than that and to now start giving towards missions? So that is one of the challenges for today is how are, is God inviting you to give? And then go. I encourage everyone in here to go if you can. There are short-term missions opportunities for you to be able to go on, and I, I encourage you to do that. Maybe you already know that, that you're supposed to go and it's for longer than a short term. If you're not sure how to get connected to that, please talk to Pastor Dave, talk to myself. There are so many avenues for people to go on short-term missions, mid-term missions, or even long-term missions. And if, if it's finances that are stopping you, I just want to encourage you right now, do not let that be what holds you back today. You know, it's interesting, there's some creative solutions out there. I was recently at a conference where this group said, you know what, we can't do it for everyone, but we believe firmly that for 10 people, that it's their student loans that are holding them back from going and being full-time missionaries, that what we're going to do is we're going to surround them with people who will say, every month, 
They're going to pay that, per, that student's loan. Every month, they're the person paying that off so that that student can go ahead and go to the unreached people group, that they don't have to wait years until their, their debt's paid off, that their debt's being paid off, and the agreement is we will pay monthly your student debt while you are there and committed to being out there and being our hands and feet. So I just want to encourage you. I don't know what it is God's putting on your heart, but you do, and don't let things like finances stop you from moving forward. God has a creative solution out there for whatever it is. At, we're going to get ready to watch uh, another video because uh, as we are thinking about where are we going, what are we doing, there is this thing called the great imbalance. And it's not just with it. The good news is I feel like Gateway has done some really amazing proactive things um, to be contrary to what this video is saying, but it's important that we see what's happening worldwide among Bible-believing churches, and it's called the great imbalance. So, when we use the phrase the great imbalance, what are we talking about? Let's start with the basics, the Great Commission. When the resurrected Christ stood on the side of a mountain in Galilee and said, go, make disciples of all nations, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a commandment. Jesus even promised that before he comes back, we will accomplish his commission. So we're talking about the most important mission in the world. Now, today on planet Earth, there are 7.75 billion people. And of those 7.75 billion people, over 3 billion of those people are unreached, meaning they have zero access to the gospel. Most of them will be born, live, and die without ever hearing about Jesus. That's around 40% of the world's population. We break the whole population down into people groups. These are groups that share language, culture, tribe, etc. Every single people group can be put in one of two categories, reached or unreached. And the Great Commission involves taking the number of unreached people groups to zero. Now, in order to accomplish any task, it takes determination, a plan, and resources. But this is where you'll find the great imbalance. Today, there are hundreds of millions of Christ followers in the world. These are people who understand and want the Great Commission to be accomplished. That's you, me, every Bible-believing church you've ever heard of. These believers donate hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to their churches around the world. This money goes to pay for things like electricity, food, water, staff, missions, even things like handbells, I mean everything. And of the hundreds of billions of dollars given to the church, roughly $47 billion is already allocated to missions to the nations. But we don't just give money. Around 400,000 people are working as missionaries to the nations. But here's where it all starts to fall apart. Remember our two groups, reached and unreached? Of these missions, resources, people, money, already specifically set aside for missions to the nations, only 1% of the money and 3% of the missionaries go to take the gospel to unreached people in the world. That means 99% of our mission's money and 97% of our missionaries are going to people that already have the gospel. This is the great imbalance. And with the world's population growing at the rate it is now, every day we're losing more ground than we gain. 
This is why the global church needs a new perspective on how and where we spend our resources if we want to truly obey the Great Commission. I have a penny in my hand because a penny out of every dollar that is given to missions is what goes towards the unreached people groups. Only a penny. Now, I'd like to share some great things here at Gateway several years ago. We actually decided as a global discipleship team along with the pastoral staff saying, listen, we feel so strongly about this particular problem that we are going to shift who our missionaries are that we support and the things that we're doing. And so we asked all of our missionaries, what is it you're doing with unreached people groups? Can you tell me more about your philosophy behind, behind what you're doing? Because it's not that not, there's lots of people doing amazing things and they should continue. I'm not saying stop it. I'm saying there's amazing things, but there are still seven thousand unreached people groups waiting for the good news and if only a penny of every hundred dollars is going towards them it's not going to work and if only a few people who are committed to becoming missionaries are going there instead of places that already have a lot of access then that we're going this problem's going to continue so how can we put a stop to that and how can we as gateway make some adjustments so that's part of that's why part of why we have adopted these three people reach people groups and why we did make those changes on who it is we support and what is it they're doing in regards to unreached people groups. I do want to put up, there's a thing about text in missions. So um, I know it's a new number, so I'm, I'm always, I need it to see it. 360-505-4636. And I encourage you, whether you take a screenshot of that or text it in right now, um, it's in addition to picking up these kinds of physical prayer reminders, it's going to give you the option to respond today. And it's going to ask you, and you can do this part later if you want, but it's one, you reply one if you're saying, I feel like I'm supposed to pray and I want more information about prayer requests and how I can be praying. Two, I feel like I'm supposed to give and I want to know more about what that looks like. Three, I feel like I'm supposed to go but I, I need more information about what does that look like. Maybe you're going to enter in all of those numbers or maybe it's one particular number you feel like you're supposed to respond. But I, I am asking everyone to prayerfully consider responding today because again, it's not just an invitation. This is a commandment that the Lord said, go and make followers of Jesus of all people groups. I was recently reading a book by David Platt, and um, an interesting quote came up from there. And the book was called, What Did Jesus Really Mean When He Said, Follow Me? And this particular quote caught my eye, and it said, Jesus calls on every one of excuse me, Jesus calls every one of his disciples to make disciples who make disciples until the gospel penetrates every group of people in the world. Are you following Jesus? I don't know about you guys, but that has to make me think. Am I following Jesus? 
And I would say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus, but I want to not only be discipled, I need to be discipling. And that's here locally, discipling others so that they come to know Jesus and that they can disciple someone else. But there are people groups in the world that don't have any access, so they too need us to go to them and help them to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to even hear the good news, and then that they can be raised up to do the same throughout their own people groups. There's a story of David Watson that I heard um, several years ago, and I just, I, it moves me every time that I hear it or that I even share it. And David Watson, he was a missionary and a church planter, and particularly in India, and um, he felt like God was calling him to this northern area of India. It's a different section of India than where we are currently partnering, but he felt like he was supposed to go, and he was supposed to go to these remote villages. He knew he would have to hike in. He had his backpack. He was prepared to sleep outdoors or to sleep in a tent. He's ready to go village to village, and he knew that God said, go until you find a person of peace. So he begins his journey hiking, and he goes out there, and he, he arrives at the first village, and he's excited, like, yeah, I know, this is where God called me, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And he gets there, and he's met by a whole bunch of kids who start to throw rocks and sticks at him. And he's trying to figure out what's happening, and he hears them say he was quite pale-skinned, and, and they, say, they were saying it's a ghost, and so they're throwing these sticks and rocks at him. And eventually, after this has gone on for a while, um, an auntie ends up hearing the commotion, comes out to see what's happening, and says to the kids, like, leave this guy alone, and invites him for tea. And then, so she, he's there for tea, and um, she's like, what are you doing here? Like, this is super remote. We don't have a lot of visitors that come through here. And he says, I'm here because God told me to come and share about him that there's one true God. And immediately everything shifted. And she was like, oh no, this is going to cause problems with our village gods and with our regional gods and uh, you're not welcome here. And so he leaves the village and moves on. And so he's like, okay, I guess that wasn't the village where I'm going to find the person to peace. And he goes on to the next village. Well, the same thing ends up happening. There's kids outside running around. They see him. They start throwing rocks and sticks at him. The whole same thing happens. Somebody else ends up coming to his rescue. They invite him for tea. He goes, and they're like, why are you here? We don't usually have travelers that come out this far. And he says, I'm here to tell you about the one true God. Again, oh my goodness, like our house gods, our village gods, and our regional gods, are going to be so upset with me for even having hosted you. I, you're going to need to leave. It happened over and over and over again until where he had first started off walking rather confidently knowing that this is where God had called him to now kind of walking a bit discouraged and definitely full of a lot of bruises and trying to figure out like, where is it I'm going? And like, God, I, I'm sure you called me here, but this isn't going at all how I thought was going to go. And so like, okay, remind me of the truth. Okay, I am, I am where I'm supposed to be. And so I'm just going to keep going until I find that person of peace. He gets to the next village, and instead of a bunch of kids outside that come to greet him with sticks and rocks, he sees an elderly gentleman over the distance underneath a tree. And that gentleman gets up, and he has a stick to even help him walk. But he said even though he had a stick to help him walk, the man walked so fast he was startled at like the speed of this guy coming towards him shouting, you're here, you're here, you're finally here. 
And he starts talking back to him and saying, wait a minute, did someone else from another village come before me and tell you that I'm coming? Like, what do you mean I'm here? And he said, no, I know your face. I know you're the one. You're the one that's going to tell us about the one true God. And he says, what are you talking about? And he said, I had a vision 20 years ago. He ended up talking to him about the very specific day that he had that vision is the same day that God spoke to David while he was in a chapel service and where he knew, David knew, I'm supposed to go. And so that man in that village had been waiting over 20 years for David to come with the good news. That whole village ended up coming to know the Lord. They went out and started to tell other villages about the Lord. So my challenge for us and our thought for us today is, who is waiting for you? Who is waiting for us? Maybe it's to physically show up in some remote place like that, but maybe it is for us to partner with by helping give so that others who are feeling very called to go can go. Maybe it's to regularly be committed to prayer so that God will shift and move things because prayer changes things. Who is waiting for us? I close with this last verse, Romans 10, 13 through 15. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you want to accomplish amazing things with the people that are here in this room or that are online. You have invited us and commanded us to be a part of this amazing, amazing adventure. There are people groups out there that absolutely have no idea that you exist that you could save them, that you, you are one true God, that you can free them from demon possession, that you can, can save them from all sorts of things that exist out there that maybe seem um, just so unreal to us here in our particular culture. But it's true, and they're living in a lost world, and they absolutely need to know about you. Jesus, whatever you, it is that you are placing on the hearts of those of us here, today, would we take it seriously and would we take the next step in following you? We want to be your followers, Jesus. In your name, amen. There is a song I know